0: We believe running is freedom and empowerment. We believe running solves problems and makes people happy. We even believe that if more people run, the world will be a better place. We believe in running because it is our passion. This is the Big Peach Running Company Run
1: ATL Podcast with your host, Mike Cosentino. From the capital of the South, Atlanta, GA, this is indeed the Run ATL Podcast presented by Big Peach Running Company. My name is... Mike Cosentino, and I am honored to be your host for this pedestrian active journey. And once again, I'm also joined by our executive producer, D DOS Dolomite Dave Martinez. And before we get started, D2, with this episode, our fourth installment of the Run ATL podcast, let me remind you and our audience of one of the tenants. Of this production specifically in research that we did that Big Peach did when evaluating various ways we could quite honestly just better connect with our guests and our friends we learned something very interesting we learned that podcasts are growing in popularity because of the suitability that they hold for a world that of course is not sitting still and is always on the move but we we also found something else that was a little bit disturbing we found that this on-the-go consumption of podcast content is usually done by Americans while they are in their car behind the wheel. And what a shame. D2 D2, and I decried this statistic, did we not? We felt like this could not continue we know we know that podcast this medium is absolutely ideal for runners and for walkers and for those who are working out and those who are cooling down from their training heck in this country I don't know where we're headed with healthcare, and I certainly don't know what will happen with the tax code but I do tell you this exercise must replace driving as the most popular activity done While listening to this type of content so you and I you and I we're gonna do our part and now now I ask you my listeners and friends here it is here's the question for today what are you doing right now and for those of you who can answer hey I'm at the onset or in the midst of my own fitness routine we say thank you together we are Indeed changing that statistic about driving currently overpowering exercising when listening to a podcast, but more importantly, you through your exercise and what we intend to do here, we are improving the world. And D2, you can probably tell, I am just all kinds of fired up today. We have got to buckle in. We better buckle in because we are two weeks past the perfect Hotlanta half marathon and we're less than two weeks away from the 48th running of the AJC Peach Tree Road Race. This is a sweet, sweet and very special spot on the calendar for local runners and walkers and fitness enthusiasts. So good. So before I introduce our very, very special guests, and I did, I did D2 say guests, because we have not just one, but two special guests this evening. In fact, I would say local living legends who are going to be joining us in studio. But before we do that, let's look a little bit in our rear view. You and I, we recently had a bro date. Do you remember? I do, yes. Was it as special for you as it was for me? (laughs) It was, yes.
0: So we were invited to a nice dinner hosted by Corporate Sports Unlimited. Now this event celebrated the accomplishments of those that participated in the Fit Trip program, a program that employees at various corporate facilities take part in to achieve some specific fitness goals. I think this is one of those things that I feel really passionate about, I know you also feel passionate about, and that is being physically active. I know I feel so much better once I've gotten a run-in or worked out. I know that if I get a run-in in the morning, I feel so much better, I have more energy, I'm more productive. I'm able to handle stress a lot better. I also know that having worked in a very large corporate environment, I was very unhappy and had a lot to do with the fact that I was not working out or running. I had no release, so I couldn't handle the stress. I couldn't deal with people. So running and working out allowed me to not only feel better physically, but more importantly, I felt better mentally.
1: Well, and you and I do have that, that shared passion, similar background where we came out of those large, large organizations. And there may just be a cultural shift partially because of what organizations like Corporate Sports Unlimited are doing at that occasion. Turner, CNN, Cox Enterprises, Delta Airlines. We're talking about some of the biggest employers in Atlanta who had athletes represented. And I'm saying athletes, these are not their sponsored athletes. These are not former Olympians. These are people who are on their payroll doing important work for that organization day in and day out, but have made time and made the commitment to staying physically active. And it it, it makes sense on a number of levels. There are very few who would push back against the statistics that are out there. The one that I looked at while we were at Piedmont Park enjoying this celebration was that 4.1 days is the amount of time that someone who commits to doing 75 minutes or more of vigorous exercise each week ends up being at work and productive. So over four more days each year for doing that exercise. And that's just at work. I'm sure the payoff also exists at home with your family and in other hobbies. So there's no doubt that a culture needs to exist in our workforce and in the workplace. Kudos to corporate sports unlimited for their fit trip. Kudos to all of the organizations, not just that were represented that evening, but who are mindfully making choices to ensure their team members are very, very active. Super cool. We also, now have the pleasure of introducing two people who keep us very active on our feet and fully mobile. We are talking about doctors Perry Julian and Charlie Peebles who are the Atlanta foot and ankle center. Been around since 1990. So many of you out there perhaps, know their names, whether it's from personally having seen them or just having read or listened to them previously about how to do a better job maintaining our pedestrian active lifestyle. We're gonna have both of them with us today and just a bit of background before they join. Dr. Perry Julian, he coordinated all the podiatry for the 1996 Centennial Olympic Games. So that tells you he's been doing this for a long time. He was also the on-course medical director for the Olympic Marathon, has been the medical director many, many years for the AJC Peachtree Road Race. He was the team physician for the Atlanta Beat when it was part of the Women's Professional Soccer Association, and many of you perhaps remember the Atlanta Thrashers when Atlanta had an NHL team. He was the team physician for that squad as well, and is currently the team podiatrist for our Super Bowl attending, but not yet winning, Atlanta Falcons. And his partner, Dr. Charlie Peebles, no less impressive. He is the team podiatrist for the Atlanta Hawks. He has done countless medical missions, both here in the United States and abroad, and has also been a medical director for the AJC Peachtree Road Race. So we've got a couple of very talented fellas who are going to be with us. We will bring you our special conversation with them when we come right back. Celebrate
0: our nation's independence with the limited edition Peachtree Waverider 20. Whether you run down Peachtree Road on July 4th or need some cool kicks to show your American pride, these shoes from Mizuno will turn heads everywhere you go. Don't delay as they are going fast. Come into any Big Peach Running Company location or place an order online at BigPeachRunningCo.com. The limited edition Peachtree Rider 20 will start shipping on June 1st. Big Peach Running Company is proud to be the exclusive Run specialty Store of the AJC Petrie Road Race, where you can pick up all your race day needs and official licensed merchandise of the AJC Petrie Road Race.
1: All right, welcome back to the Run ATL podcast. In our intro, we said we had some special guests with us. That is indeed True D2. With us right now, Doctors Perry Julian and Charlie Peebles, the Atlanta Foot and Ankle Center, 1990. Perry Atlanta Foot and Ankle Center, but more importantly for me, this has just been a special relationship. Big Peach Running Company has not been around as long as what the Atlanta Foot and Ankle Center has been. And I know long before we came around, and that was 2004, people were telling me, as an athlete, as someone who was always feeling like I should feel better, you gotta see Perry. You gotta to go to the Atlanta Foot and Ankle Center. So before we get into some of the questions that we have and making sure everybody stays mobile, stays upright, stays moving, just give us some history. Tell us about the Atlanta Foot and Ankle Center.
2: That's a difficult question. Yeah, I'm sure it is with all kinds of twists and turns. Well, you know, we, uh, we actually opened up in um, March of 1990. Um, I had completed almost 30 remember? years. Oh, don't say that. Oh, my goodness. It's don't true, though. Don't say that. Yeah. So uh, this was uh, you know, my dream, to have a practice that catered to active people. Uh, as much as we like to call it sports medicine, it was really more about people that wanted to stay mobile. And uh, a great opportunity opened up for us at the Prado in Sandy Springs. And uh, we opened our doors in March of 1990.
1: Well, and one of the things that I think we've learned over the years is there are a variety of, of podiatric practices. Some of them think about the workplace. Some of them think about you know elderly or senior care. Some of them think about pediatrics and what have you. You really were intentional about working with athletes, but not just elite athletes. In our intro, we talked about y'all's association with the Hawks and the Thrashers and the Falcons and all these very well-known events but you've always worked with a huge degree and a varying level of accomplishment with the athletes.
2: Well, truly at every, at every level. I mean, we have patients in their 90s to do the Peachtree Road Race. Um, You know, and even people that may have had some medical issue like a heart attack that need to walk a mile three days a week in the mall just for for cardiac rehabilitation. So our sports practice really encompasses every one of those people.
1: Well, and and we can get into questions that will hopefully keep people not just from having something that they just deal with, but that they can get past. But before that, I generally want to say to both of you guys, thank you not just for being here, but there are so many people who walk through the doors of Big Peach Running Company and say, I'm here because of work that was done by Charlie or by Perry, and now I have the optimism that I'm going to be able to continue to go for my walks or I'm going to continue to train for my race, and it's because of the work that you guys are doing. So thank you. That's obviously hugely beneficial to us. Well.
3: Well, I think we all share the same passion, and that's the, that's the best part.
1: We, we do think, share that same passion, and that passion is one of the things that, that kind of keeps us going. And, and so, Perry, I'm going to ask this question because you wrote a book, and it was one of the ways I first got to know you, Sure Footing. And in Sure Footing, it, it broke down some things that are very clinical. I'm sure that you, know, you study for years to figure out what they, what they really mean. In fact, I think there were over two dozen conditions of the foot, of the ankle, of the lower body. And when we look at all of those and be like, well, we can't cover that, we'd be here for days, which would be fine with me. But knowing that we've got to keep a certain time, knowing that we have to be sensitive to your schedule, what are some of the most popular, maybe the top two or three things that you see that someone right now might be dealing with that
2: you can help them identify and maybe give them some guidance as to what they should do next? Well, I think Dr. Peebles and I both will agree the number one thing we see in the office is plantar fasciitis. PF, uh, PF, a word that's very difficult to pronounce, even more difficult for people to spell, um, and you know it's it's something that when you talk about the symptoms, people say, well, I can't have that because I can't even pronounce that. But <laughs> it's that pain that you get in the heel when you get up in the morning and wonder where did it come from. Uh, and by far and away, I would say, what percentage of people do we see every day? With plantar fascia? that, I'd probably say 50% of our patients.
1: Wow. One in that. two, five mm-hmm. of 10
2: mm-hmm. is the PF. It's epidemic. Oh, my It's God. epidemic. But it's curable. It's, it's treatable, yeah. Okay. We can, we can put it into long-term remission. <laughs> um, you know and I think and like how, the, how, how is that done what? well and I think so this, this comes to anything in sports medicine it, it's not about making people feel better it's about finding the underlying cause and the underlying problem and very often with plantar fasciitis there's something that the, the, the person coming to see us the patient has done wrong uh, and it becomes a, a detective work to find out what that is to correct those problems some you know may be genetic uh, some may be inherited in training errors but you know unless you fix those underlying problems unfortunately it's not going to get better so for plantar fasciitis what are those underlying
1: problems that need to be corrected
3: I mean I would say for starting with the foundation I'd say 20% of the people that come into our office are in the wrong shoe they picked up their shoe at some department store or something like that and it looked really neat it was a beautiful shoe their partner thought it was the most amazing (laughs) shoe ever but they got out there and decided I'm gonna start running in this or training for Peachtree or whatever and they ended up in the they were in the wrong shoe, and didn't have the support they needed. That combination, or a shoe that's too old, a shoe that, and we hear this all the time. I've had this shoe for a year; it's got to still be good. Um, they've been doing stuff constantly, whether it be walking or running or whatever they're doing. They're in it all the time. So I'd say those are the the initial phases of what we see. That's the first step of kind of trying to figure out what's going on. And then, as Perry mentioned, training errors. I think one of the biggest things we end up dealing with is not necessarily even with the extremities, but between the ears, we do too much too quickly. And I think all of us here can probably share stories of injuries that had (laughs) nothing to do with anything except between our ears. And that happens all the time.
1: So let me Charlie state with the shoes because it'd be easy for the proprietor of running stores to say, yeah, guess what, your shoes are too old or you picked the wrong shoes somewhere else for your running or for your training. But one of the things that I imagine is the case What about shoes people are wearing to work? What about shoes people are wearing on weekends? What about shoes that have nothing
3: to do with what they're doing athletically? And I think it's the combination of all of that, because unfortunately, as much as we'd all love to make our living running, most of us make our living in shoes that aren't our running shoes.
1: Well, and it's funny, the reason I say
3: this somewhat, I suppose, self-serving, we have people who
1: come into the store and say, I don't think these shoes are working. My PF hasn't disappeared. I still have plantar fasciitis. And we're saying, well, tell us about your exercise routine. They've been in them for an average of 60 minutes, three or four days a week, but what they're going to work in has no support. The arches are just hanging there in a the suspended manner, completely fatigued, I'm sure. And it's like, you worked for 40 to 50
3: hours. You trained in this shoe for three to four this week, and we want to start with this? Absolutely, and that's one of the, the most common things. And we also see a lot of people who come in and say, I feel great when I'm in my running shoes. <laughs> I just feel miserable when I go to work, or you know, I got up Marta and had to walk a mile to get to work and I wear my heels for that. You know, all those kind of issues that can come into play. And the same thing on weekends, you know, throwing on sandals or flip-flops or things like that that don't have the support that they necessarily need. It's not to say that you can never wear sandals, you can never wear flip-flops, but having something that has a little bit more support to protect your foot during those periods, I think is the big thing.
1: So I'm just astounded that 50% are plantar fasciitis. How often is it gonna be treatable or somebody can get past it in a week or two or what can someone expect who's
2: out there likely feeling it right now if it's true plantar fasciitis and you know again there are other causes of heel pain that you know need to be diagnosed because not everybody with heel pain has plantar fasciitis but um you know it's it's almost always treatable i mean and it's an oftentimes treatable non-surgically i would say that less than one percent of the people that we see and again as as charlie said we see a lot of it less than one percent require any type of invasive or semi-invasive procedure but it's again dealing with the underlying problems and you know uh, you know charlie said shoes big big one okay training errors you know all the time but then we get into things like calf inflexibility, um, which is a very big one also. So when your calf muscle is tight, it changes the biomechanics of your foot and ankle. And what will happen is your foot and ankle need to compensate for that tight calf muscle. And very oftentimes, it will cause an increase in something we call overpronation. And you're both familiar with that overpronation indeed. disease. Yes, indeed. Uh, we hear that in the office, used properly, used improperly <laughs> all the time. Uh, but one of the one of the greatest causes of overpronation, when it's not genetic, are tight calf muscles. And if you think about it, everything we do tightens our calf muscles up. Sitting here tightens our calf muscles up. Standing tightens our calf muscles up getting a bit older tightens our calf muscles up. So it, it's almost, you know as I look at it, the fountain of youth to keep flexibility. You don't need to be over flexible. We're not asking you to be some type of hyper flexible yogi or circus du Soleil performer, <laughs> but allowing your joints to work through their range of motion without stealing from some other part of your body. Because typically, if something's not working right, some other part of the body tries to make up for that, and that's when we start seeing some problems. And with plantar fasciitis, tight calf muscle is one of the root causes of that.
1: So, one of the things you probably didn't even know you did it the, the four pillars of the Run ATL podcast to inform and to inspire, to empower and to encourage. And I will tell you, it should be encouraging to a lot of people that. 50% 50% of the people who come in your office have PF or maybe some symptoms that would suggest they have it. But you said less than 1% need an invasive procedure to have it taken care of or addressed. True. Very true. I would hope that encourages so many people right now that are wondering, am I gonna ever feel normal again? Am I gonna be able to do the Peachtree Road Race this year? That's awesome. All right, so Charlie, listen, one of the things that you have heard me say maybe too often is that for Big Peach Running Company, we talk about a pedestrian active lifestyle. And I would say that if we say it's a lifestyle, it's somewhat suggestive of it being done over a long or a lengthy period of time. Knowing that we think a lengthy period of time for people who are listening are decades after decades of running or walking or just being mindful of their fitness what are the things that that we can do we can take upon ourselves to optimize
3: good foot health i mean i think one of the the big things is as perry just mentioned stretching is a big component to that Treating out shoes on a regular basis is an important aspect of things um really just a lot a lot to the degree of listening to your body um, and that's you know when i was 20 that was a whole different thing listening to your body was you kept going until you just couldn't go anymore now it's you start out slower in a run or you build into a run or you're stretching you use a run walk whatever the case may be to keep you going and keep you going the distances you want to do and i think that's one of the biggest things in, in my mind in my training which has changed over the years of it used to be all about the time that the race took now it's enjoying the race and enjoying the whole event and enjoying encouraging other people while you're out there So one of the things that you just said, and I know my personality, I doubt I'm alone, and that
1: is just pushing through it. Just saying, I'm sure it's gonna be fine, I'm just gonna keep on running and throwing mileage at it. What are those signs that suggest that's not really a good idea?
3: And again, we've all done that to some degree. I think my biggest sign is if you're having something that's making you limp, or you continue to limp, you continue to try to push through something. And I did this, I I was trained for a marathon, and had a stress fracture, kind of tried to ignore the fact that I had a stress fracture and had to go to see a buddy of mine to tell me it was a stress fracture when I was living down in Florida because I just wasn't going to listen to that because my marathon was two weeks away. And you know, we've all been there, we've all had injuries, we don't want to go through that stuff. But listening to your body, something that continues to hurt or something that it hurts, you take a week off and then the hurting comes back You've got to kind of get that looked at to figure out what's going on and as perry mentioned earlier figuring out that underlying cause so we make sure that's addressed before we move on to the next step and otherwise just like any other kind of training issue if we don't get to that first level we're never going to get past that
2: you know we joke that you know for, for non-medical people the first rule of sports medicine is by ignore something long enough maybe it'll go away <laughs> and and we hear this every single day you know well how long has it been hurting you for well a while and like, we'll define it well maybe like six months but I thought it would go away I mean, that's something we hear multiple times a day and I think you know one of the, the key foundations in trying to treat these things and and really to avoid people like us um, is that you know when you when you sense something's wrong acknowledge it you know and say what do I do about it. And, and first, kind of, I always say, blame yourself. What did you do wrong? Have you been meaning to go out and buy those new shoes for the last six months? You know, and say, well, I'll get around to it, I'll get around to it. You know, have you, you know, decided that, you know, you're not running quite fast enough and you don't want to really look to, for coaching advice, so we'll just double our mileage, you know, and, in, and increase our intensity, you know, and things like that. And a lot of times, if you look at that, or have you gone from running on, let's say, a surface like you see at Cochrane Shoals? And now you go to Chastain Park, where it's concrete, you know, or Columns Drive, where it's a crowned road. So, you know, you, you really get to look, what, what have I done to screw things up here and make those changes immediately, you know, and then kind of give it a little bit of time. And, and I, you know, we, we both agree, Charlie and I, that, you know, something if you're making some changes and things aren't getting better in about 14 days, you may want to if, if you're activity is important enough to you, be it running, walking, tennis, whatever it is, it's time to probably seek help of a sports medicine person. So those are, I mean, three call-outs
1: that are so easy and bear repeating, in my opinion. One, if it is recurring, if this just keeps coming back, you've got to acknowledge acknowledge it. And then secondly, what you just said, Perry, if it's been for a considerable period of time, you said 14 days. That whole idea of, well, the best sports medicine might just be ignore it and it's going to go away. Apparently, that didn't work. And then, Perry or Charlie, as far as a physical indication that you're walking differently, you're running in a manner that just isn't natural, that should be a sign that it's time to take this seriously and address it.
2: Something that's getting worse needs to be looked at. Exactly. The same. Yeah. same thing.
1: You know, it's- so, D2, one of the things that, that he did was send out to our Facebook audience an invitation. We said we had special guests. The locals, they adore you guys. We got all kinds of response. D2, you pulled a couple of questions. How about a question for these guys? Yeah, so this comes from Ashley Howell. So uh, she asked, yeah, I rolled my ankle after
0: a misstep off the sidewalk while running on June 10th. While there has been no swelling, I have had intermittent pain. I allowed it to rest and did some mild stretching exercises in the interim. I just ran two miles yesterday as a restart and didn't feel pain, any pain at the time. Over the course of the afternoon, however, the pain reemerged. Is this more is this uh, more than just a sprain or what can I do to get
2: back out there running again? Well, we wish she was here right now so we could take a look at her ankle and see. You know, I think th- this is one of the challenges of, of really of trying to help people either by internet or by phone and You know My podcast. My podcast. (laughs) You know, we we, we say, you know, we have a saying here, it's not just an ankle sprain. You know, very oftentimes you'll twist your ankle running, you won't think very much of it, and, you you know, you end up saying, well, I'll give it some rest. Maybe get a little concerned, you go to one of the uh, urgent care facilities, and they say, oh, it's just a sprain, take this ACE wrap, you'll be fine. But you never see them again, there's no follow-up. Um, We just had an unfortunate incident of a woman that was at a party in in Nashville and somebody fell on her ankle and she's actually has a big trip to Iceland uh, and you know she said well you know I just want to make sure that everything's okay you know I got to go on this trip and she came and we took an x-ray and it turned out that she fractured the small bone in her ankle the fibula. So you know a lot of times what you think is just a small ankle sprain could signify something else and i'm not saying immediately run out to a doctor but again using those same principles that we talked about just a few minutes ago that you know if it's not getting better with ice and with rest and you're doing a you know a two-mile run which you know sounds like for, for ashley's very reasonable run uh and it's hurting afterwards that's when you want to get taken look at you know and one of the hardest things and this other i had to learn over time because in the early days of, of when i was doing this as Mike said almost 30 years ago that's still a little painful but I'm getting over that uh, but you know everybody came to see us because we can get you back quicker you know and we have funny stories about that that have happened when people have had serious injuries fractures things that you know could have said, well but can I run next week I'm like no you're gonna be in the hospital well I thought you're a sports medicine doctor I'm like well but you know you can't work miracles um, so I, I think that you know a, a lot of times that it's it's getting that early intervention, but looking at sometimes having to take some time off. None of us like to do that. And as I said, that's what I've learned over time that you know we'll put people in a boot for two weeks, and they hate us for that because it's a big bulky boot, although it draws a lot of attention to them, but it keeps it still. You know, and again, going back to what what Mike and Charlie were talking about, it's not only the running, but you know we live our lives. Most of us aren't making a living getting to run our 18 miles a day, then having somebody cook for us, get our massage, and then nap the rest of the day. Most of us do our runs, but also have jobs, and kids, and families, and things like that. So just by immobilizing something for two or three weeks, it gives it a chance to heal. You know, It's kind of like the analogy I like to use a lot. If you have some type of epoxy that says, well, when you apply this, keep it for 24 hours and do not move it. Well, you know, in this day and age, nothing takes 24 hours. This is this, this, the, the age of immediacy. So you glue it together, and it's six hours. They say, so, well, you know, this got to be fine. It can't take 24 hours. And you break that seal. You pull it apart. Like, oh, well, maybe it needs more than six hours. So you put it back together, OK? But now you've lost that seal. So now you can wait another 12 hours, but it's never going to be as good as it was if you gave it the time. So as much as we don't like to have to take time off, sometimes getting in the pool and doing some pool running you buy one of those vests or belts that you can jog in the deep end of the pool especially with the warmer weather maybe get on the bike or the elliptical so you know it sounds like you know rest is is worthwhile but as we talked about if she's resting and it's not getting better that's what you need to have it looked at well
1: and, and ashley i'm going to chime in with a personal <coughs> experience i have with dr julian and, and i had you may not remember this i had achilles tendonitis that i came to see you about and i was at the point literally where i was thinking well what foreign language do I want to learn or am I going to pick up a musical instrument? Because I had put in enough hours every week where I was running and my Achilles tendonitis was so bad that I figured it was it. That was the end of the time I was going to spend running. I, wanted to, I was ready for a transplant. I didn't know if such a thing existed, if we could get a cadaver and just pull an Achilles tendon out of that particular individual and put it into me. And you said, come see me. I did. And I thought, oh, here's where I get told six months in a boot. And when we talk about doing something that's non-invasive, like you guys so oftentimes do, when you think about how many times you've encouraged people by saying, look, this isn't gonna go away overnight, but don't lose hope. You gave me a couple of tips. You gave me a couple of products that I could use myself. You gave me what I needed to know that it wasn't over not to start learning how to play the guitar yet because I would run again. And I'm now almost 10 years after that appointment and feeling healthier than maybe I have in a long time. So Ashley, don't give up. Don't be afraid to go see someone on it because it's not going to be bad news necessarily. All right, so D2, I know you've got a couple of other questions. I wanna kind of segue into who these guys are because you guys are also athletes. It's not just, well, these guys are doctors and they see athletes of every ability. You guys are also athletes. So I'm gonna go off script a little bit and say, well, what's the advice you've given me, you've given Ashley, that you give people every single day that you also take to heart the most yourself? Oh,
2: it's do as I say, don't do as I do. I might have to second that. Yeah. Oh,
1: yeah. just
2: for him or for both of you? Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> You're a
1: yeah. qualifier. Yeah, you've you yeah, got world-class yeah. credentials on climbing and a few other So
2: I don't know that I believe that entirely.
1: There's advice out there that you've given yourself that is just solid advice for
3: all of
2: us. Yeah. I'm going to go with, with two things, and we may share those or we may end up with four together. Okay. But I think the biggest one, which is by far the hardest one, is listen to your body. Okay. Okay? Your body tells you, you just don't want to listen. And we we've all go through that. I mean, you know, I've been doing this a long time and I still don't listen. You know, I got yelled at that today by my physical therapist. So just, you know, I, I don't listen. And, uh, but I think you do need to listen. And sometimes it's so hard to take some time off or to just, you know, slow down a little bit. You know, when I was first doing this, we had several running coaches in Atlanta and most people went by the philosophy of fast, faster, and fastest. And the concept of a rest day was unheard of. And that's when, you know, heart rate monitor training started getting its attention again 30 years ago and people say i can't run this slow you got to be crazy but they would do some easy runs and find out that their prs were getting faster and faster so i think you know you know listening to your body if you've been on your feet all day or stressed that may not be the best time to do a hard run you know and you got you got to do that and then and the second thing which we mentioned already if you had my my pearl you know the the fountain of youth is, is appropriate flexibility and again, not being you don't need to stretch 40 minutes a day. We're talking about you know, simple stretches that you do on a consistent basis. It's not good enough to stretch for two days and then take the next seven days and don't stretch. The problem is that stretching is not sexy. I mean, nobody wants to do it. You know, it's, it's relatively boring. Most of us are not really good at it, uh, so we don't want to do it. But I think in terms of prevention, you know, when you think about allowing, again, as we said before, your joints to work through their range of motion without stealing from some other part of the body.
1: So that's awesome. So we've
3: got flexibility and
2: stretching. We've got listen to your body. Charlie, how would you follow that up? I'm going to kind
3: of jump in on the same thing of listen to your body. And, you know, it would be great if we all had the check engine light that went on and told us when we were supposed to stop. Um, it works on our cars. It doesn't work on us. So I think part of that is whether it be in a race, whether it be in your training, whether it be anything along the lines of listening to your body to, to trust what it does. And, and, and it, you do that for yourself. I mean, this is advice that you I'm better at it now than I used to be. Okay. So you and can say it with a straight face. I can. All I can. Right. And, and a perfect example is when I first started doing marathons. Boston qualifier, right? Boston I, Marathon go, finisher yep. a couple of times. Couple so of times. not just
1: started doing marathons,
3: obviously a successful marathoner. Right. right? I guess you can cut, describe it as <laughs> that. But what I learned from that was when I first started doing marathons, I said, if you're not running the marathon, then I was doing something wrong. I've since learned whether it be half marathons, marathons, whatever the case may be, and whatever level you're running at is having a time of rest somewhere in there, whether it be a rest day or walking through the water stops so that your body gets a little bit of a break. So that you hydrate, you do the things you're supposed to do. When I started doing marathons 30 years ago, there weren't really goos. There weren't all the different options. There was water and Gatorade. And you figured out a way to mix that together and get through a marathon. Now it's a matter of figuring out how to get that rest in there, get your body fueled, get everything together. So you can not just enjoy the race, but finish the race a whole lot stronger. And I feel like I've been able to do that over time. Um, whereas, you know, we all hit the wall at some point. I hit the wall a lot earlier when I was first training than I do now with my half marathons and things like that. So the importance of
1: rest, the importance of resting, and then you mentioned fueling as well as such an important thing that you're taking seriously. Absolutely.
3: And I think the other part of that is it's the resting throughout. It's everything we do in our lives. Our lives now are so busy, so constant, whether it be with kids, grandkids, whatever the case may be you're constantly going our our lives are constantly moving uh, whether it be sitting in traffic and that comes to flexibility we sit in traffic for two three hours a day so our bodies are tightening up just in that so maintain that flexibility listening to your body not just jumping right out of the car and going for a run but giving your body a little chance to to warm up before you're ready to go again simple tips like that allow
1: us to leave lead a lifestyle a pedestrian active lifestyle d2 you have another question my friend yes yeah, so this question comes from christian du chateau uh, says wow, uh what a great
0: last name I Du Duchateau. chateau, du chateau. I, i'm I surprised i can pronounce it yeah. hopefully i'm not butchering it <laughs> um, so uh, i'm 49 years old and i injured my foot during a race in late june last year I strained a tendon in the metatarsal area of my right foot and now suffer pain in the ball of my foot when I run longer distances. I saw a doctor after the injury and got a cortisone shot so that I could complete a big fall race I had been training for. I took about three months off at the end of the year and resumed running in January. Now a year after my injury, the pain has decreased somewhat and is manageable, but continues to bother me on my longer runs, say over six miles. My question is, Do I need to suck it up and just get used to these kinds of nagging pains as I get older? Or is this a symptom of a bigger problem that needs further treatment? I'm running the Petri next month. and have four to five other races on my calendar before the end of the year, but would love to get rid of this pain if possible.
3: I think one of the big misperceptions is that our feet are supposed to hurt. As we get older, as we run longer, as we do things, our feet are supposed to hurt, our knees are supposed to hurt. It's just natural because we do, we're we on them, we're active. I don't necessarily agree with that. I don't think things are supposed to hurt. So I, I don't like the idea of just kind of waiting it out and just trying to push through it. There's probably things that can be done to maybe lessen the discomfort it doesn't mean it's going to go away completely it might be able to but lessen that discomfort by taking some of the strain off of that ligament i know it seems like it's been a year and things should have healed but it hadn't been a year off of running and the body takes a year to heal whether it's a cut of your skin whether it's a broken bone whether it's a tendon the body goes through a healing process for a period of time so i would say make sure you're kind of managing that but the other part of that is when you have an injury and one of your feet is sore, you tend to compensate and you create other things and other issues. So until you get that completely addressed, you're running the risk of causing some other problem. And trying to get through that is probably the biggest advice I would give, trying to make sure that is addressed, but it's not, it's not normal for feet to hurt.
2: You know, Mike, you asked before about the most common things we see, and one of the top three, maybe top four, are metatarsal problems. Um, and met- the metatarsal bones are those long bones that connect to our toes. And it's very hard in a podcast to see that we're showing this, <laughs> but uh, but we are. We'll put so sure front, no. We're so putting I'll put it We're putting it Some there, kind of a, picture yeah. from. And, and when you look at the anatomy there of that area, it's really hard to injure your tendons in the metatarsal bones. That's not a very common injury. And it's one I think you'll agree we rarely see unless it's a major trauma. Right. So there are other conditions that cause that. One is called the metatarsal bursitis, which is the pain you get on the ball of your foot. The other is called Morton's neuroma. And again, those are on our top four list of things that we see mm-hmm. every single day. These are things Charlie and I, this is not once a week or once every three. This is every single day that we're in the office. So it sounds like from what he's describing, and again, he's not here with us, that he, he may have a bruise or metatarsal bursitis and not a tendonitis. One of the, the downfalls of cortisone, and cortisone's a great drug, and we like to use cortisone, but it, it, we tend to like to think of cortisone as part of the treatment, not in place of the treatment. So when you inject, you feel better and they love you. They you know, send you candy and food to your office and think you're great for two to three weeks. Then it wears off and all of a sudden you're not so great and they're finding out your home phone number and they're you know, making bad calls and threatening you. So I think part of this is figuring out what actually happened. And very often, you know, it's using maybe accommodative padding to get the pressure off the ball of foot to allow it to heal. Because even if you're not running, you're still walking. And this is, you know, what Charlie said. It's like it's not only the running part of our lives; it's the every other part of our lives. So here's somebody saying, "Well, I've stopped running, you know, for, for two months, but I work on my feet eight hours a day." You know, when you look at flight attendants and nurses and anybody, anybody that are teachers, especially teachers. So I think, you know, part of it is getting the proper diagnosis and one of the ways that we've always talked about this is that, you know, without a good diagnosis it's hard to have any type of treatment plan. Occasionally you gotta just hope for the best and I'll be honest in medicine like that but, but especially in sports medicine, if you spend a few minutes to say what happened, where is it hurting, what were you doing? You say, oh, there it is. It's, it's almost like those, those detective shows. I mean, it's playing detective. And uh, so it sounds like that maybe it wasn't a tendinitis and it was something else. So if you're treating it as a tendinitis and not getting better, then you got to look at what else could it be? You know, we look very often, you know, very frequently at the regional thing. What are things that can go wrong in that area? What's a list of two to five things that can go wrong in that area? And let's see what, which one makes the most sense. But just for this question and the way you described it, tendinitis is really, really low on that list. That's not a place that you get tendinitis.
1: Great question, Christian, great answer, guys, and and you referred again to real common ailments that you see. So I'm gonna take it a little different place now, and that is what is not common. So here's the thing, we know that there are some people who have foot fetishes and other people who don't wanna be anywhere around people with their shoes off. And I'm sure you see everything in between about people who wanna talk about their own feet and don't even wanna hear what you have to say. But you think about a long and a very storied career at Atlanta Foot & Ankle Center, what is that one or what are those two things, what are those patients that just stand out as the craziest or the most strange or perhaps the most dire that you've ever seen that would maybe give us some sense of, oh my goodness, if they can can handle and tolerate that, then we're gonna be just fine.
2: Well, I mean, I can take that question two ways, and I'm going to answer it, and, you know, we see people with severe foot deformities, I mean, severe foot deformities, and they do amazingly well. I mean, I think there there are so many variables. Medicine is not a black and white science. Uh, It's not that you can go to a coach and say, do this, do this, do that, and you're going to run a 159 marathon. You know, that's not going to happen. We're working on that, but it's not happening right now. Mm -hmm. You know, I I had a patient that came in once and uh, he had a, a blister, a bad blister on his little toe and it was killing him, and he couldn't get in his running shoes, he had a race coming up, and, you know, we were concerned because his bone looked a little bit misshapen, and uh, looked at his history, his history he was a young guy, he was in his late 20s, I looked at his history, and everything, you know, looked normal, and so I went ahead and got an x-ray, and I look at the x-ray, I'm like, are you sure that was the x-ray of this person that's sitting in that room? And I said, yeah, that's, this, you know, this is his x-ray. I'm like, okay, so I went in the room, I said, can I ask you a question, you didn't put that you've had any surgery, any injuries, you know, aside from the normal running stuff. Have you ever had a, a, a foot problem, I mean, that was pretty significant? He said, oh, oh, yeah, my brother shot me in the heel when I was young. Um, and I had, I think I had some surgery. I'm like, well, yeah, you have like 10 screws in your heel. You know, you did have some surgery there. And he's running marathons. He's running marathons. So you know, it's like—is it a problem? Like, no, we're gonna take care of your little toe. It's not a big deal. You'll be back running in two days. This guy had run marathons; and did great, and didn't even know it. So you know, I, I think that you know, you can't just look at a foot and say, even this severely overpronated foot. There's a you know, an, an American that 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 held for a long time the uh, the world the, the American record in the five thousand meter about twelve minutes fifty eight seconds. He had the worst overpronated feet that you would ever imagine, and you know, I had the, the privilege of meeting him. At the Olympic Training Center and I said you know have you ever been in orthotics before and after looking at his feet he said you know yeah that five years ago a doctor said I need them to help me run faster and I ended up getting hurt You know, so I don't wear him anymore. And he ran at 1258. What's interesting from a shoe perspective is I ended up seeing him in the office after the Olympics in 1996 with plantar fasciitis. And the reason he got his plantar fasciitis is that he'd been running in the same shoe for five, six years, training amazingly, and he just got bored of it. And that was his words. So he switched shoes, and three weeks later he had plantar fasciitis. So nothing to do with orthotics, it was just strictly a shoe change. Wow. But there's somebody with bad biomechanics that ran amazingly well, one of the greatest American runners of all time. I'm sure you, you both knew who that is. Um, and, you know, and did fine. So just because something looks bad doesn't always mean it's going to be bad. Excellent. Charlie, how about you? What's, what's, <clears throat> I mean, I think for me, the people that inspire
3: me out there on races or stuff like that are the people that start the race first, whether it be the wheelchair athletes or people who have an amputation or things like that. I have a friend who's a young man who... Had an amputation unfortunately suffered it a few years ago who now is the u.s world record holder uh, or the world record holder um in the 100 meters distance runner who then became a sprinter and turned something that was a complete negative into something that was a complete positive so i think for me when i think of training and all those kind of things Those are the people that inspire me, people that have overcome something. And we've all overcome stuff. We've all overcome stuff with our running, whether it means an injury, a stress fracture, and the number of people that we see on a regular basis that maybe have lost a hundred pounds or lost 50 pounds. That's more inspirational to me than all of us that have had God-given gifts to be able to have talent to run and run in certain speeds. Those are the people I think have accomplished the most. And those are the people that you speak to, that we speak to. Those are the fun things. It's the postcards you get when someone finished a race or patients who bring a medal in because they finished, you know, finished Peachtree or brought their shirt in or a medal from a marathon. I mean, that's, that to me is the fun stuff. Um, We both treat all kinds of world-class athletes and that's neat and that's exciting. We've worked with professional athletes, but they're people just like the rest of us. And they just have to be, happen to be a lot more talented than some of us are. (laughs) But the neat thing is seeing people who didn't have that talent, who had to overcome and got off the couch and couch to 5K to now
2: (coughs) to half marathon to marathon. That's, for me, that's the most fun thing. That's why I do what I do. I I agree completely. You know, I ran one of my marathons. I've run 20 marathons. I've always, my big claim to fame is I've always started and finished the same day. (laughs) <laughs> and, and, I, and I've never, in one of those marathons, took any type of mass transportation. So, to me, that's a huge accomplishment. But one of my, one of my first New Yorks, um, a friend of mine was running, who's an Olympian in the marathon. And, you know, afterwards, you know, she told me her time. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's so amazing. She goes, what was your time? And I'm like, oh, I do not want to tell you. And I told her what my time was. It was in the four-hour and change. She goes, oh, my God. And I thought she was going to say, I don't want to ever see you as a doctor if you can't run as fast as me. And she said, I am, that, I am like so humbled and impressed by that. That you could be out there for that long. You're amazing. And I mean, she And I thought she was like, basically making fun of me. But she was really serious. You know that I think there's so much to be said. Like Charlie said, it's those people, not the people that are the elites that are feeding the peach tree. It's the people that are doing their first 10k race and cross that finish line in tears, not because they need medical help, because I just ran, walked, participated in 6.2 miles. And, you know, to the people that when we've trained for marathons, and, you know, a six-mile run could be a warm-up for us sometimes. But for other people, that 6.2 miles is, is an ultra-marathon, and th- this is their life. And, you know, I love, because we, we, we're, you know, both Dr. Peebles and I help out in the medical we have for, for many years at the Peachtree. And, you know, we love watching those last finishers coming in, because that's where the joy and the tears and the accomplishment is. So, I mean, I completely agree with that. That's why we do this. So
1: true and so well stated. He is Dr. Perry Julian, and to my right, it is Dr. Charlie Peebles. They are the Atlanta Foot and Ankle Center. Gentlemen, you guys are a blessing to this community. You've been a gift to Big Peach Running Company and the guests that we have the good fortune of serving every single day. I know that we've learned a lot together. I know that will not stop after this conversation. You'll continue to teach, you'll continue to heal those who come through your doors and those who want to get the most out of their pedestrian active lifestyle. So thank you so very much for joining us, and thank you for everything that you do. And we'll be right back on the Run ATL podcast. We are not done. No way. Next up, the podcast payout right after this message.
0: They're back. The limited edition Petrie Road Race Run ATL will be available in stores and online starting June 1st. Celebrate our nation's independence and the world's largest 10k with these great-looking shirts. New this year, we're offering a tee and tank printed on Mizuno performance apparel. Don't hesitate as these will go quickly. Hurry to your local Big Peach Running Company location or order yours online at
1: bigpeachrunningcode.com. Welcome back to the Run ATL podcast at The Onset. I mentioned what a special time of year this is for us and I mentioned that in the rearview was the 2017 hotlanta half marathon D2 you and I were out there I termed it perfect I stand by that our friends from Orion Sports Timing they do it right yes they do I've got a number of memories from our time on the course I've got a few images that are burned into my mind from the fact that our team stayed almost through the post-race celebration in its entirety. That was big fun for us. But for you, what was it that really stood out and made that a special day?
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of great uh, interactions with a lot of the individuals that are out there, especially as we were pacers out there. So interacting with other runners, being able to give back to the community. There was a gentleman out there who uh, was in the two-hour pace group, and I got a chance to talk to him during the race and he was trying to break two hours and get a 20 minute PR so just being on the course with him, encouraging him, letting him know where we were at and you know, what our strategy was to make sure that he had enough time in the bank so that as the course got to the back half the last three or four miles where it got really hilly that we had put some extra time in there and reassured him and then sure enough yep, he got his 20 minute PR and felt really great. So you know for me it just feels great to be able to give back to be able to help someone else achieve some goals you know uh things that they maybe thought at one time were impossible and all of a sudden they got them and that we were a
1: part of that it feels pretty good super cool and, and that was kind of another bro date for us we were both part of that yep. two-hour pace team and you were on that high side of the gentleman who sets a 20-minute pr i was on the other side where i was kind of towards the back end of our pace group i will tell you there is very little that's more painful for me that as we go into the last couple of miles and you've got some people who are really starting to kick it into whatever gear they have left and off they go and they are going to make it. But there are also those people who should feel really, really good about the distance they've covered, but just don't have the legs. And I remember coming through Georgia Tech and going, it is time, it is time, we have got to go. For those of y'all who are on two hours, you are starting to fall off you got to pick it up pick it up and of course everybody comes to where north avenue is it's uphill from there and you can just see the exasperation on some of those who are towards the back part of our two-hour pace group and they don't have anything left and you want to hang with them and be like look we've made it this far i'm not leaving you now but of course our responsibility on the pace team is we've got to get across the line before the two-hour clock hits and we we do that And to leave some of those people is just heartbreaking for me. It feels so bad every single year, but that's part of it. We should all, as we've talked about on previous episodes, have our goals, feel really, really good about them, whether we make it or not. Being in the game, being in the pursuit, that is where all the action is. And talking about pacing D2, it is time. It is time for this episodes podcast payout bring it to us my friend yeah so this uh
0: ties in um perfectly with uh endurance you know running and and, and pacing so the podcast payout this comes from carolyn cooper so carolyn you're, you'll receive uh an entry into the ADC peachy road race um we'll contact you and provide you that information how to get in um so her question um something that i'm having trouble figuring out as a 40 something runner I seem to have one running gear and have had trouble determining when and how to run different paces. Most of my runs feel comfortably hard. Can you help me understand the different types of runs and the easiest way to figure out my pace for each one? I've asked my 17 year old running son, but he totally confuses me with all of this cross country lingo and doesn't get that I'm not at his level. Uh, Let's see. Carolyn has also completed four marathons, qualified for Boston in 2014, and missed the cutoff for Boston last year by 20 seconds. And is Yep. And is trying to – her goals are to get stronger and get a PR at the Philadelphia Marathon and qualify again for for the Boston Marathon. She's legit. Yeah, qualifier. Exactly. I have not qualified for Boston. (laughs) So doing some research, and, and, you know, obviously I think this is a question that I think a lot of runners, um, you know, uh, struggle with is that they feel like they're running the same pace no matter what the distance so you have to bury your workouts you have to have easy runs for those days where you're recovering you have to have uh, you know something that's moderate you got to have you know speed workouts so we did a little research and what you want to do as well and we'll provide the link to uh, in our show notes but you know Google race calculator or race equivalency calculator and it you may find a website by Hanson coaching and Hanson has got a lot of experience they've coached elite runners but they've got a calculator where you can input your you know let's say it's a 5k distance and you input your time and based on that it'll tell you what your paces should be depending on the type of the runs that you're doing so whether it's an easy run or long run uh, speed workout and then it will also give you kind of uh, you know estimations of what your finish time should be based on your performance let's say at a 5k distance um, that you can expect to you know with the proper training achieve so that will give you a little bit of guidance and obviously you know as you're starting out you, you know don't be discouraged if you don't hit those times these are kind of ideal times of what you should be shooting for and
1: goals at for these different paces indeed and, and there are so many great coaches in and around the atlanta area a few episodes ago we had malcolm campbell on i know you and i both have friends who are coaches and are working with athletes of, of every single ability one of the sites i found that i really really like is hal higdon will also put that in the show notes and i think what you've clarified d2 and highlighted rightfully so is it's okay to have different paces for different workouts and even if your paces vary or if you're feeling like they're not varying often enough, more importantly is connecting a specific pace to a specific workout, whether it's intervals, whether it's a tempo run, whether it's a long run and just determining, okay, yeah, my paces may not be hugely different, but they're a little bit different depending on the workout I'm doing, or they may vary greatly and that's okay too because I've linked each and every one of those paces with a specific workout that's helping me get better whatever better might be maybe it's going longer maybe it's being more consistent maybe it's getting faster And the last thing I'll say Carolyn is this I heard through D2's reading of your question that whatever lingo your cross-country stud son is using I hope you're using long-distance training and marathon accomplishment lingo when you're talking back to him because anyone who has a mom who's a Boston qualifier and is doing Philadelphia in November he as her son or she as her daughter would be very very proud to have a mom who is as fit as you are good luck in november thanks for being this week's podcast payout and for those of you who have not yet heard this what is the podcast payout it is your opportunity to win some loot from us peachtree road race season going to be behind us by the time we do our next episode we're changing the prize d2 run ATL ts a big hit always seen far and wide in the atlanta market we got some brand new colors yep you can check them out online you can see them in all of our stores at this point but we have brand new colors and for whoever it is that submits the next question selected as the podcast payout will get the tea of his or her choice in his or her preferred size sent to you from d2 and i with our compliments as being part of the podcast payout all you need to do is send us your question podcast at bigpeachrunningco.com p-o-d-c-a-s-t at bigpeachrunningco.com and d2 that's a wrap for us here on episode four as always enjoy being with you certainly Appreciate all of you out there. Hopefully, you're just putting the finishing touches on your own workout. We're not done for good, though, friends. We'll be back in two weeks. In the meantime, remember that your best miles are always those covered on foot. Tell your friends about the Run ATL podcast and know that we'll be thinking about you on July 4th as we all head down Peachtree Road for the 2017 AJC Peachtree Road Race.